Is it Ms. Mercedes or Mrs.? Miss. Miss. Okay. Um, glad you got a chance to take a look at these glasses. Yeah, I, I just let you know that I'm not going to participate in this. Not participate? Well, what's, what's wrong? Why not? I just don't feel like I'm adequate enough or like, I don't understand this whole free. Adequate? No, it's completely free. And uh, I think that this is going to really change your world. I don't think I deserve to participate in this. No, this is absolutely free. It just means that uh, you know you're part of our clinic, and uh, we're going to provide you with glasses that are really going to change your world. Um, but and it's absolutely free. Well, what do you mean by free? I get is it buy one get one free? No, no, no. This is not like one of those bait and switches. This is completely free, and I found a pair of glasses that I think and I'm confident are really gonna change your life. Why don't you just try these on? Welcome to the well here at STSA as our gracious host Steve welcomed you all and reminded you that we here are an ordinary place where we believe extraordinary things happen on a week-to-week -week basis when normal people coming from all kinds of different places come here and hopefully encounter have a meeting with our God and our Lord and our Savior and if you meet God here today then no matter how ordinary it may be it'll be the most extraordinary day and what we're talking about here is a subject during week two of a series called I thought it was just me. And we're talking about a subject that everyone knows about, but none of us like to speak about, because we were speaking about the subject of insecurity, when we feel that we are not good enough, not smart enough, not talented enough, not pretty enough, not successful enough, not rich enough, not whatever enough. We said that, that insecurity, if we had to define what insecurity is, it's the gap between who I want to be and who I really am. Okay, I want to be a certain person at work and who I really am. That's an insecurity. I want to be a certain person relationally, spiritually, um, who I want to be and who I really am. That gap, that's what we're talking about here in this series. And the reason why this is super duper duper important, because what we looked at last week, we saw the example of a guy named Moses who lived thousands of years ago. And we saw that insecurity, which we all deal with, if you don't address it properly, will derail your life and will stop God from working in your life his magnificent glorious plan that he has for you and for me. And we saw that Moses almost missed out. Like we know about Moses, 10 plagues, part the Red Sea, Moses got the commandments at the top of the mountain. But all that Moses almost was not because of insecurity. Because he didn't know, he didn't believe that he was adequate enough, he didn't believe he was good enough, and he said, God, I'm not the right guy for this job. And because God kept pushing him, and God addressed it, said, no, we need to deal with your insecurity Moses is who we know Moses is to be today. And what I want to say to you is you may be derailing your life if you allow insecurity to dwell. If you allow insecurity, if you become a slave to insecurity, it will derail your life faster than just about anything else in this world. And the way you know this, I always tell you, this is the definition of insecurity. If you want to know whether or not you have insecurity, I'll tell you exactly what your insecurity is. I'll tell you exactly. Every one of us is different, but I'll tell you exactly what it is for you. Insecurity is the reason why you do what you cannot explain that which you do. If there's an unexplainable behavior, I don't know why I keep, I don't know why I just can't stop, 
I don't know why I just can't get on track in this area. Nine out of ten times, the underlying answer is there's an insecurity there which hasn't been dealt with, hasn't been dealt with properly, and that's causing that. So what we're doing here in this series, we're talking about insecurity. And we're going to talk about different manifestations of insecurity and kind of how it looks for us because no one comes and talks about insecurity. But we talk about these different fruits of insecurity, and each week we're going to look at one of them. Before we get into that, today what we're going to do is take a step back and look at what are the sources of insecurity? Where does insecurity come from? What I discovered is that in my humble opinion, there are three common sources of insecurity, two of which we can do nothing about, but one of which we can, so we're going to focus on that third one, but just for the sake of, of understanding. Insecurity comes from unfair criticism. Unfair criticism. And a lot of us is how we grew up. We're insecure today because we were always told we weren't smart enough. We're always told we're not going to be successful. We're always told we're not good, as good as our brother, as good as our sister. We're always told that we don't measure up in some way. Even if we're not told it directly, we're told it indirectly. When we see the models on the TV, we see that we don't measure up to them. And we see all of our friends and what kind of clothes they wear. And we don't wear as much nice clothes as them. So we always believe, or okay, we feel like we're not good enough. We've been unfairly criticized. The second source of insecurity is actually the exact opposite. is unrealistic compliments. You say, hey, wait a minute, how does compliments lead to insecurity? Well, I'll tell you how. And this goes to the thing that you all have heard this so many times. And forgive me, I'm not saying anything about anyone or anything. But I believe that we, my generation, has done a disservice to the next generation by giving, like the whole, everyone gets an award just for participating. And you've been told, some people I know have been told so many times, so many times, because we don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I want everyone to feel great. You're great. You're the best. You're number one. You're amazing. And then sometimes, like, we're not dumb. We can see right through that. We say, you don't even know who I am. You don't know anything about me, but you tell me I'm the best. Then you know what happens? Fast forward this. Then when I come and tell someone, hey, you know what? You got potential. And now because you've heard so many unreal compliments, you can't decipher a real one. So I tell you, no, you got great potential. You say, ah, oh, no, I've heard this song dance before. Yeah, I got the trophy for coming in 18th place, and, and, and I know how this works. And a lot of us cannot believe a true compliment right now because we've heard so many unreal compliments. Not much we can do about the criticism we receive. Not much we can do about the compliments we receive. But there's a third category which we will address very particularly today. And that is unwise comparisons. And this is one that we can do something about. We are going to talk about that today. Because it is our inclination to always be comparing ourselves to others that leads to a lot of the insecurities that we face. Raise your hand if you have ever been to or visited the land or seen any you know anyone who's visited the land of Ur? Never been to Ur? No one's ever been to Ur? Okay, Ur, E-R. Okay, I hope the answer is no because I kind of made it up. Okay, so there's no really. Okay, the answer's supposed to be no. Okay, but let's just play along. Not the land of U-R. Okay, that in the in the Bible Ur, the land of Ur, E-R. Okay, the land of Ur, U-R in the Bible is a faraway place, and Ur is the place of Abraham and those guys. But I'm talking about the land of E-R-R. Which is a place that you don't realize you've been to, but I bet you you've all been there. It's a place that exists in your head, not a place that exists in reality. And it's a place that exists, you know you're there, when you look around and you see other people and you say, you know what, I'm smart, but that guy is smart-er. I want to be smarter. I think I'm beautiful, but I think she's more beautiful. I want to be Pretty Earth. 
I want to be smarter, taller, thinner, richer, prettier, happier, spiritual-er, talented-er, mer. The land of Ur is a place that all of us have been to. And a lot of us spend a lot of time there. And you know what? Here's the thing about the land of Ur. All the people that we wish we were more Ur like them, they may be nice people. They may be very pleasant people. But deep inside, in a place that we don't like to talk about, we kind of resent them. We're kind of annoyed that they have the Ur that we don't have. We don't, we're not greedy. Like, we're not selfish. We're not arrogant. We don't need Est. Okay? We're not trying to live in the land of Est. But a little Ur? We would take it. Now here's the thing. Before you went to the land of Ur, you were fine with who you were. You were fine with who you were until you got to the land of Ur. You always thought you were smart. It was until you met someone smarter that you realized that I'm not good enough. I need to be smarter. You always thought that you looked nice. Your mom told you to look nice. Everyone told you to look nice. But until you saw someone who you think looks nicer, prettier, beautifuler, thinner, then all of a sudden you realize that I'm not happy with who I am. Not because I'm not happy with who I am, but because who I'm not happy with who I am compared to the people in the land of her. And I'm telling you, look, I'm not against social media. I'm not one of the people who think social media is like the, 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 the antichrist or anything like that. But we have to be honest. And the effects of social media are undeniable. The effects of social media are that we have taken this land of Ur and we have brought it right in front of us at all times. We're always living in the land of Ur. Because you sit down at lunch after church today and you have yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No shame having a PB&J after lunch. Whatever it is, some french fries, that's what you eat for lunch. Then you check your Facebook or your Twitter or your Instagram and you see your best friend, about to be former best friend, okay? And she has a picture of her at the beach eating a lobster roll and shrimp salad, okay? And she's sitting at the beach, and you know she's at the beach because she's got the picture where you can see the toes, you know that picture? The toes picture, okay? But even though it's mainly of her toes, she made sure that that finger with the ring, engagement ring, was positioned in there, right, okay? So all of a sudden, you were very fine with your peanut butter and jelly before you went on Instagram, but now all of a sudden, you feel that your life stinks. My life stinks! I mean, peanut butter and jelly meat, what fourth graders eat, and this lady is on the beach with a lobster roll with a boyfriend and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, I feel like my life, it needs to be funner. My life needs to be interestinger. My boyfriend needs to be pick up the pacer. And all of a sudden, you were totally content with your life one minute ago. Totally content with your life. But then comparison ruined your day. Can I keep going a little bit here and I'm going to talk about something that you don't want to hear? Because you don't want to admit it, I don't want to admit it. When you visit this land of Ur and you see that picture and you see that friend, no matter what you say, and you will never admit this on the outside. You will never admit it and I will never admit it because we are Christian and we will say, oh, that's great. But deep inside, deep inside, you kind of wish that person didn't have that. But you won't admit that. You will never, ever, ever admit it, but a piece of you, so ugly to say, like this is the ugliest part of the human race, a piece of you doesn't feel bad if that person loses that. A piece of us, when the thin girl gets dumped, a piece of us, when the perfect couple, the perfect couple has a little bump in the road, When that 
family with the kid who from age three years old could read English and Spanish and Hebrew and all these different languages. And he's just the greatest kid in the whole wide world. And then you find out he got sent to the principal. In your mind, you say, I knew it. Too good to be true. I knew it. We won't admit that. But it's true. Why? Is it because we're all evil people? Is it because we hate people? No, we actually like those people. The problem is not the people. The problem is not the people. The problem is us. The problem is we have insecurity. And you know what? I have discovered and you have discovered this even if you never articulate it. It is easier to dislike a person than to admit my insecurity that I don't have what they have. It's easier. This is why we hated the popular kids in high school. It's a lot easier to say, I hate them, they're rude, they're jerks. It's easier just to hate them than it is to admit that, you know what, I want what they have. And I'm not good enough to have what they have. I hate the kids who get the straight A's because I don't get straight A's. So you know what? They are losers. But it's really because I wish I could have what they have. I hate the popular kids. I hate the pretty kids. I hate the jocks. I hate the whatever. Not because I hate them. They're nice people. But because I'm insecure about what I have or what I don't have. And it's always easier to just hate them. That's why here's our key thought here for today. Here's our key thought. If you get this, I'm telling you, if you get this, this will change your life. It sounds so simple, but this will change your life if you get this and we start practicing this. There's no win in comparison. I'm going rhyming today, okay? We're going to see how I'm a poet today, okay? There's no win in comparison. There's no win. There's no end line. There's no finish. There's no, I compared myself and I felt better. There's no, I felt better. Comparison always leads to feel worse because here's what's going to happen. You're going to compare yourself and either you're going to find someone who's better than you, I feel bad about myself, or someone who's worse than you, and then you know what? Then I feel pride and I feel arrogant. I feel like I'm okay. And then I feel bad about myself for feeling proud and arrogant and, and, and not in a good place. There's no win in comparison. Once you've visited the land of Ur and you've begun down that road, which we all do it. We all do it. It always ends in us being in a bad state. These days, we don't ask ourselves, am I smart? Being smart is not the goal. We ask ourselves, am I smarter than so-and-so? It's not, do I look good? It's, do I look better than so-and-so? It's not, is my husband successful? Is my husband successfuler than your husband? My home, fine, but it has to be better than your home. This is how we think. We all know where this takes us. The inevitable result of comparing ourselves in this land of earth is we feel bad. We feel we don't measure up in some way, shape, or form. Because no matter how many people, you have a bigger home than them, there's always going to be someone who has a bigger home. Your career may be successful, there's always going to be someone more successful. You may be smart, there's always going to be someone smarter. <clears throat> and some of us, if we're honest, I'm going to challenge you today to be honest with yourself and say some people in this room here today are poster children of the dangers of a life of comparison. Can I be honest? Some of us are in financial debt today because of comparison. You can blame the economy. You can blame your boss. You can blame the housing market. You can blame everything that you want to blame. All the rest of us have all the same factors. The truth, you purchased things that you didn't need, but because others had them, that you had to have them. You may be driving something that the only reason you're driving is that other people drive them. Wearing things, going places, Maybe your turmoil isn't a financial turmoil. Maybe you have a relational turmoil. 
maybe some of us are driving the people around us crazy. We are driving the people around us crazy. We are pushing away the people that we love the most and care about the most. We are pushing them away, not because of anything with them, but because of us and our propensity to compare. If you've ever said this phrase, I just want my husband to reach his full potential. You know what that means? I just want my husband or my wife or my kids. I just want them to reach their full potential. You know what that means? It means I want to sit with my girlfriend and say that my husband is better than your husband. And even if I don't say it, I want to know it and I want her to know it too. Is that I can't sit with her and feel like her husband is better than my husband. That makes me feel bad. So I just need you to get your act together. We release your full potential. I have nothing to do with full potential. Same thing with our children. Some of us are pushing our children and driving our kids crazy to get them to reach their full potential, which means what? It just means that I can compare myself with the other moms and the other dads and feel like I'm a good mom and I'm a good dad. We lie to ourselves all the time. And the root of that is our insecurity. St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, he says, we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Those who compare themselves and measure themselves this way by looking around, by going in the land of Ur, living in the land of Ur and seeing, not am I smart, but am I smarter? Not am I rich, but am I richer? Not am I successful, but am I successfuler? Not am I spiritual, but am I spiritualer? Those people are not wise. They are only bringing harm to themselves and to what is most important in their life. So what do we do? That's the problem. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do, Father Anthony? It's not something we're doing like intentionally. It's just a natural thing. Our mind just goes there. I can't not compare myself. What do I do? How do we address this? What we're going to do is we're going to look into the scripture. And we're, gonna look, we're going to look into a passage of scripture that is 3,000 years old. And if I didn't tell you that, you would think it was written last week. You would think it was written in 2017. You would think it was written in Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. It was written by a guy named Solomon who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Book of Ecclesiastes is all about Solomon, richer than you, more successful than you, more accomplished than you, more wives than you, prettier wives, like whatever you want to achieve, he had better than you. He was at the top of the food chain in every aspect, relationally, financially, like he was at the top of the food chain. And from the top of the food chain, he gives us wisdom as to how this whole operation works. Because it's easy when you're at the bottom to say, you know what, this is worthless. But what if someone at the top who has everything, what does he have to say about this process? Look what he says, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse four. He says, and I saw from the top of the food chain, and I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. Wow. Did you catch that? At the top of the food chain, top of the pyramid, he's saying everyone's trying to climb up the top. Why? All toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. And he says this too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Can you believe that? Someone want to drive a new car. What's, what's prompting him to get that new car? According to Solomon, not according to me. He's looking around. Oh, well, she drives that car. So therefore, I want to get that car. Now, if she didn't have that car, I wouldn't have cared about that car. If she had the car, I want that car. 
want to buy a new house. Why need a new house? Because I went to visit my friends and their houses are bigger than mine, so I got to have a bigger house. Let me say this another way, as, as, as blunt as possible. In Solomon's day, people were determining where they were based on where everyone else was. People were determining where they were based on where everyone else was. It was not what do I have, but it was what do I have compared to what she has or what he has or what they have. People back then, of course, not today, because it's 3,000 years old. People back then would ask themselves the question, am I okay? It's a natural question. Am I okay? Am I in a good place? And people back then would ask that question, am I okay? And the way they would answer is look and see, what does he have? Okay, I'm okay. Oh, what does she have? Oh, I'm not okay. I need to get more. Why? Because she had more. But a minute ago you thought you were okay, but then I met her. And that's the way people were living back then. And Solomon says that's chasing the wind. And you say, hey, wait a minute. We're ambitious people. We want to, you know, get ahead in life and, you know, uh, a retirement fund. And, you know, we're, 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 we're high achievers around here. So are you saying, Father Anthony, we're just not supposed to care what about anything and just kind of sit back, fold our hands and not really care? Well, Solomon has an answer for you in verse 5. Okay. He says, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Fools. I'm not telling you to sit back and fold your hands and do nothing. Remember, I'm Solomon. You want what I have. You want money. I have money. You want gold? I got gold. You want uh, uh, ladies? I got ladies. Like, I got everything. I, I got everything that you want. I got it. I'm not saying sit around and fold your hands. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. But keep this in mind. And this is a golden verse that if you can memorize, you'll be in great shape if you can memorize this verse. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Better one handful with tranquility then two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. If you were to take a survey on the street, if you were to take a survey in this room, and you would say, what are you aiming for? Like, what do you want out of life? Regardless of what the real answer is, you know what everyone would say? Everyone would say the same. Everyone would say what? I want to be happy. I want peace. I want love. Like, you'd all say some kind of variation of, I want tranquility. I want peace. I want to be content. I just want to be okay. I don't want to be constantly laboring and toiling. I want to be at rest. That's what everyone says. But our comparison mentality is the exact opposite of that. Solomon says, tranquility, be happy with what you got in your hand. Don't worry about what other people hold in their hands. Better one handful with tranquility. And we say that and we want that. But in reality, our actions say that we don't really care about that one handful. We'd rather have a second handful. Better one handful with tranquility. You have a family. Your family loves you. You love them. Better one handful with tranquility. Keep that in mind. Better one handful with tranquility when you see yourself start to ignore and not spend time here to get more handfuls. You say better with one handful with tranquility. What I got, I don't need to chase after it. Better one handful with tranquility. Remember that when you start to push the people around you crazy because they don't measure up to your friend's kids or your friend's husband, or your friend's wife, or, or what you're, be, remind yourself of that when your friends are advancing in their life, you don't feel you're advancing in your life. Better one handful with tranquility versus comparing it with what others have. If not, Solomon says, you're going to end up in a bad place. He says in verse 7, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. Okay, when, 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 when Solomon says, a man all alone, Neither, man, neither 
son nor brother. You know what he's saying right there? Okay. What he's saying is the man was all by himself. He had no son, no brother. So he had no one to leave his stuff to. No one to inherit his stuff because ladies were not part of inheritance back then. Okay. That's the way it was back then. So no brother, no son, no man to leave all his stuff to. So someone who has no one to leave all his stuff to, okay, this should, like, this should affect the way he thinks about gathering a whole bunch of stuff. But look at this guy. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And the guy kept trying to get more and more and more and more. And then you ask yourself, why? <laughs> what are you going to do with it? You keep trying to get more. You got no one to leave it to. And one day he asked himself this question. For whom am I toiling? For whom am I toiling? He asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, but I love this expression, a miserable business. Some of us, our lives are a miserable business. Because we are chasing, and we are chasing, and we are trying to get, and trying to get. And then you ask, say, why are we doing this? And we have no answer. But you know what the answer is? Solomon said in the beginning. The reason we're doing it is because so-and-so did it. The reason we want that is because so-and-so has that. The reason we need to get that, the reason we need to fast forward is because so-and-so got that and so-and-so fast forwarded. And that, I tell you, is a miserable business. So I ask you this question. I want you to ask yourself this question. Who or what? Who or what am I going to use as my reference point to tell me I'm okay? All of us have a reference point. All of us have someone or something that defines whether or not we're okay. Some of us, it's our parents. Some of us, our parents may not even be alive, but we're still living with what they told us is a measure of success. We're still trying to compare ourselves to that, and we're still, that's our reference point, and until we get that, we're not successful. Some of us, the comparison point is what our friends have. We have this house, they need, and they have this house, so we're always comparing ourselves to what they have. Who or what is going to be the reference point? Tell me that I'm doing okay. You all have something that is the answer, but maybe you've never articulated it. To help you figure out the answer to that question, because I'm a very helpful guy today, I'm going to do something that's going to make you all hate my guts. I'm going to ask you five questions. They're not written down. You don't have to write them down. You can write them down, but I would rather that you think about them. And these are just five questions off the top of my head. But I want you to be honest when you answer them. Number one, are you exhausted from trying to keep up with fill in the blank. Are you exhausted from trying to keep up with fill in the blank? Do you ever think to yourself, Ugh. you find out, when you find out someone else does something or reaches a certain place, do you ever just feel like, Ugh, I wish I didn't know? Do you ever feel exhausted from trying to keep up with so-and-so? Again, back to the whole social media thing, I read a very nice quote that said this so perfectly. Again, I'm not against social media, but we cannot deny its impact on us. Someone said that when we, I can't remember how he said it nicely, social media gives us other people's highlight reels and we compare those to our behind the scenes. That's what Instagram is. Other people's highlight reels and what we compare that to is what we see the closet behind the scenes. And we're comparing their highlights to our closets and it's just exhausting. That's why some people tell me, you know what, Father Anthony, I'm exhausted, I got off of Facebook. And I say, what? I didn't, like, but that's why. Because it's comparing. And it's always, I can't see what they have and not want it myself. I can't see where they are and not feel like I'm behind, like I'm not good enough. Are you exhausted? I'm trying to keep up with fill in the blank. Question number two. 
Similar question, but slightly different angle. Are you broke from trying to keep up with so-and-so? Again, it's the economy's fault. It's just the uh, housing market. It's just my, my mean jerk of a boss, whatever it may be. Is it or is my financial problem, the debt that I'm in? Because I look around a lot and my reference point is others. Question number three. Each one you're going to hate me a little bit more. Are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what God has given to you? Are you allowing what others have to keep you from enjoying what God has given to you? Classic example. I have a house. love my house. Best house in the whole wide world. Then I visit your house. Now I hate my house. My house didn't change. Still the same house. When I bought my house, I said, this is great. My old house had eight-foot ceilings. This one has nine-foot ceilings. This is great. I have nine-foot ceilings. This is great. I go visit your house. Your house has ten-foot ceilings. I go back to my house, and I feel like I have to duck when I enter my house. How about your spouse? When you married him, you married her. She was the best. He was the best. No one was like him. No one was like her. She was the most beautiful woman in your eyes. But then maybe your eyes started to see some other ones. And now all of a sudden, she's not as beautiful in your eyes. She didn't change. But all of a sudden, she's not thin enough anymore. All of a sudden, he's not successful enough anymore. He didn't change. She didn't change. How about your kids? Let's talk about your kids. Let's talk about your kids. Some people, I want to ask them this honest question. I know it's going to sound, I'm, I'm honestly being honest. Do you enjoy your kids? Do you enjoy your kids? Because it doesn't seem like you enjoy them. It seems like they're only there to make you feel good about yourself. Because when you see the neighbor's kid doing good at school, you push your kid. You got to do good at school. You got to do good at school. And when the neighbor kid plays this sport, you got to play this sport. You got to play this sport. And the neighbor's kid goes to church at this time, we got to go to church at this time. Do you actually enjoy your kids? Or are you just there? They're just there to make you feel like a good mom. Make you feel like a good dad. Make you feel like you're not like your parents who never pushed you and you were a loser because of that. Do you actually like your kids? Let me tell you this. Do you know that there are people out there who would love to have your kids exactly as they are? I wouldn't push them one bit. And you're making them miserable to make yourself feel better because you're comparing yourself. See how dangerous this is? See how dangerous this is? If we don't get this comparison thing right. Like a lot of us were the kids that our parents were comparing us. And we hated that. And we're doing the same thing? Question number four. Married people. Is it possible that your spouse feels like you are dissatisfied with them because you're comparing them to others? Is it possible? I'm just asking the question. Is it possible that your spouse feels like they don't measure up in your eyes because you are comparing them? Now, you're smart. You don't compare them out loud. Okay, you don't tell them to their face, okay, because you know that doesn't work. Your wife's not going to come home one day and say, oh, you know what, thank you for pointing out how thin the neighbor got. Like, that, that really motivates me. Thank you for pointing out how, how she's lost so much weight. Like, I appreciate that. That doesn't work. But maybe in your mind, by constantly comparing, you are undermining that which is most valuable in your life, which is your marriage. Maybe your husband feels like he's not good enough for you anymore. You never say it that way. Again, you want him to fulfill his potential. Maybe what you're really telling him is he's not good enough. And he was just fine until the neighbor's guy got the promotion. You hate my guts, don't you? You really hate my guts right now. You're going to boo me off stage after I ask you this next one because I already know the answer. Number five. Who would you secretly enjoy seeing fail? Fail. Who would you secretly enjoy seeing fail. 
and the smirks on everyone's faces answers the question for me. We never admit it. We never say it. We pray for them. But deep inside, they trip and fall. But we hate that about ourselves. But we'll be honest. Do you see why I'm saying this comparison thing? This is not just a life thing. This is not just a relate. This is a spiritual thing. Like the scripture teaches that we should really rejoice with those who rejoice, but we can't rejoice with someone when we're comparing ourselves to them. We got to get this right. We got to get this right as followers of Christ. We got to get this right. How are we going to get this right? I'm going to answer this question for you. How are we going to get this right? And I'm going to find a way for all of us. We are going to do this together. We are going to get this right because too much relies on it. Even though we're always looking around, we're always comparing. When we find ourselves comparing, we're going to ask ourselves this simple question, which you're going to, I'm going to ask you another question. Okay, we're done the self-examination question. This is a different question. And you're going to say, what does this have to do with it? This question answers and addresses how we stop comparing. Answer me this question. Who do perfect parents compare their kids to? Who do perfect parents compare their kids to? Perfect parents, the best parents on the planet, the Brady Bunch parents, like who are the best parents? Who do they compare their children to? We've all seen it. We've all been there. Okay, I'm not saying this about anybody. We've all been to visit someone who just had a baby in the hospital or in their home. We always say it's the cutest baby in the whole wide world. But if we're honest, if we're honest, if we're honest, sometimes you look at it and you little taken aback, okay? Now, that doesn't apply to anyone here, of course. Okay, that doesn't apply. But sometimes, you know, outside people, you look and you're like, but let me ask you a question. You've seen the parents with the kid who's struggling. What do those parents say about their kids? Let's say not perfect parents. Let's say average parents. Average, I'm even going to go below average. Has anyone ever heard a parent, even a below average parent, say, you know what? I wish this child was more like that child. I wish this baby that just came out, I wish this, yeah, she's beautiful, but I wish she looked more like that baby. Anyone ever heard that from a parent? I wish this baby, it's my baby, and this is my only son, but I really wish, like that kid, I wish, you know what I mean? Anyone ever heard that from a parent? Anyone? If you did hear that from a parent, what would you think? Would you think there's something wrong with that child? No, you think there's something wrong with that parent. Because even an average, even a below average parent, doesn't compare their children to anyone. Answer me, again, forgive me out loud here, just play with me here. Who do perfect, who do perfect parents compare their kids to? All together. Who do perfect parents compare their kids to? No one. One more time, because I'm, I'm hard of hearing. Who do perfect parents compare their kids to? Who does your Heavenly Father compare you to? Ooh. I said a minute ago, perfect parents don't compare their kids. God, Heavenly Father, perfect, perfect, perfect parent, who does he compare you to? The answer is no one. No one. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. Watch this. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, 
according to the good pleasure of his will, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Now, I highlighted three words right there, and those three words are three beautiful words if you struggle with insecurity. If you struggle with the looking around and the feeling not good enough, you remember these three words. Is that in Christ, we are chosen, we are adopted, we are accepted. Let's go through those one at a time because those are great words. God chose you. God chose you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Now, let just like play, play along right here. When God chose you, did he know your flaws? Did he know that you would not be smarter than your neighbor? Did he know that you would not be prettier than your classmate? Did he know that you would not be successfuler than so-and-so? Did he know those things? He knew all those things. And he said, I choose you. Okay. When he adopted you, when he adopted you as your child, did he, knew, did he know when he adopted you that you wouldn't measure up at work? That you'd be in the slower reading class? Did he know that you'd have eight-foot ceilings? Did he know that your kid would pick his nose in public in front of all your friends? Did he know all those things? Did he know? He knew. He chose and adopted. Best one? He accepted. He accepted. When God accepted you, when God accepted you, did he know that you would actually have some errs? Like prouder? Like dishonester? Like not as prayerful er. Did he know about those errs? Yes. He chose us. He adopted us. He accepted us. Say this all together. I am chosen, I am adopted, and I am accepted just as I am. Say that with me. I am chosen, I am adopted, and I am accepted just as I am. Just as I am is the key phrase. God, as the expression goes, loves us exactly as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us there, for sure. He, he accepts us as we are because he loves us. He wants to get us to a better place, for sure, for sure, for sure. But he accepts us just as we are, and nothing will change that. Our neighbor being smarter doesn't mean he accepts me less. My sister getting married in front of me doesn't make him accept me less. My, uh, uh, my friend being richer, smarter, whatever it may be, more spiritual than me, doesn't make him accept me any less. He knew all my flaws, he knew all my weaknesses, and he accepted me, and he loved me just as I am. And sometimes you say, well, wait a minute, no, there's no way he can love me as much as so-and-so. Well, because I'm sure when he compares me to so-and-so, then you say to yourself, hey, wait a minute, who do perfect parents compare their kids to? Answer me. Who do perfect parents compare their kids to? No one. Who does your heavenly father compare you to? No one. Let me tell you a story. I have a daughter, Lizzie. She is now um, nine, almost ten. Sorry, sorry. The lights, that's a little pressure right here. I do something with Lizzie when I tuck her in, okay, at night, because all dads, every dad has something corny and stupid they do with their daughter, okay, because that's what we do as dads, okay, and we do it when they're young and they're babies, and we carry it as long as we can until they tell us it's embarrassing and leave us alone, okay? When I tuck Lizzie in at night, I always ask her this question. I say, Lizzie, who's the most beautiful girl in the world? She says, I, I trained her to say, I'm the most beautiful. And I say, Lizzie, you know what makes you beautiful? Are you beautiful because your hair? She says, nope. Are you beautiful because you have the best eyes? She says, nope. Beautiful because you have the best nose? Nope. What makes you the most beautiful? She says, my heart. Now, nowadays she says that, but I still have the best eyes and the best nose and hair. It's like, now she's in that phase, okay? But whatever, okay? The, the... 
you're the most beautiful girl in the world because of your heart. Because it's something that you can't see and nobody else can see, but I can see it because I'm your dad. Why do I do that with Lizzie? Why do I do that? Because I want my daughter to know this. I want my daughter to know that the guy who determines her beauty is me. None of those other little rugrats. They don't tell you that you're beautiful. The models on TV don't tell you that you're beautiful. I tell you that you're beautiful. And I want her to know that the measure of beauty is not er. Not that she would be thinner, taller, hair straighter, none of the ers. But I want her to know that in my eyes, that's all that matters. Because I know the power and the freedom that will give her to not live as a slave to the comparisons and expectations of others. Because I know that if she can actually do that, to believe what I tell her, that she is beautiful, just as she is, I know that will free her up to do so much great things in this world. And I know the opposite, that if she's a slave to other people's expectations of what she looks like and what she should behave like and what makes her beautiful, then I know she will never, ever reach her full potential of what she could accomplish because she'll always be trying to impress the others. They're always comparing yourself to others. And I don't want that for my daughter. And I don't want that for anyone in this room. And your heavenly father does not want that for anyone in this room either. If Lizzie were to ask this question of like, am I beautiful? Am I okay? Am I good enough? I would want her to know that she's fine because she's mine. Told you the rhyme. And I'm telling you, if you look up to heaven today and you want to know if you're good enough, you know what God would say to you? He'd say, you're fine because you're mine. You're not fine because you're better. You're not fine because you measure against any of those other people. I don't care about those other people. There's only one daughter in my house that I tuck in at night. That's the only one. And I compare her to anyone else. And there's only one person. There's only one of you. God doesn't compare you to anyone. So let your neighbors be more, have a bigger house. Let your coworkers be more successful. Let that girl have the biggest ring in the whole wide world and eat her lobster roll on her horrible beach, whatever. Let them. I will look up into the heavens and I will ask God, am I okay? Because every one of us naturally asks, am I okay? We all need a reference point. We all want to feel like I'm good enough. I will look up into the heavens and I will say, God, am I okay? He will say, you're fine because you're Every parent at some point in time has had a conversation with their child. Every parent wishes, every parent wishes, I wish this child could see them the way I see them. Right, parents? We hate that our kids don't believe who we say that they are and they listen to who their friends say that they are or people around them tell it. We all wish, so you know what, if you could just believe who I tell you that you are, the sky is the limit for you. And I believe our Heavenly Father says the same thing. I know you got flaws. I chose you with the flaws. I accepted you with the flaws. I adopted you with, I know, I know, I know. But trust me, I see in you great potential. And if you stick with me and you don't care about the errs and you don't compare, I'll make something great out of you. Just like Moses last week, I'll make something great out of you. You say, but I don't have what this guy, don't worry about what they have. You're not trying to fit their life plan. I got a plan for you and you are perfect for that life plan. So stop looking around. 
and just see you the way I see you. That's why this whole thing about the glasses. See yourself the way I see you. Stop seeing yourself the way others see you. See the way I see you. The sky's the limit for your life. Leave you with this last verse. Proverbs, again, Solomon. Proverbs 14.30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Anytime there's a proverb, it's always like two statements, and they're contradictory to one another, or a contrast, I should say. So when he says a heart at peace, doesn't mean a general peace. It means peace specifically in contrast to envy. Heart at peace, heart that's content, heart that doesn't look around, heart that says, you know what, what better one handful of tranquility, better one handful of tranquility. That heart, that life, live at peace and be successful versus the one who's always looking around will have rotting to the bones. Wouldn't it be great? I want you to imagine this. If you struggle with comparison, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great to spend one day one day without caring about the expectations of others. Wouldn't it be great? Like, wouldn't it be great that I could one day get from morning till night and not care about what anyone else has and just see myself as fine because I'm his. And my reference point is God and better one. Like, wouldn't it be great? Be like a load off. That's what your heavenly father desires for you. Not just one day, not just two days every day of your life. The question is, can we make him our reference point or are we going to be looking around to our left and our right? Let's stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and God, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you from the depth of our heart. Thank you, Lord, that you see all of our ugliness and you still choose us, you adopt us, you accept us just as we are. Lord, I pray that that truth would really sink into our minds, sink into our hearts. It would make a difference in the way we walk around in this world. That we stop comparing what we have, what we don't have with others. But we live in the freedom to know that we are your children. And as long as you accept us, and as long as you choose us and adopted us, Lord, that's all that matters. Help us, Lord, to live with you as our reference point, and no more slave to the expectations and comparisons of others. Pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. Trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.